Turn, if you would, to John chapter 20. He is risen. All right, we're going to try it again. (laughs) He is risen. risen Those in the overflow room, he is risen. Oh, we heard you. We heard you. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that you would minister to our hearts. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word now. That you would prepare us to hear this glorious news. And I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And that you would empower me, Lord. I can't do anything of my own strength. It's not unto me, but it's unto your glory that we want to proclaim the gospel. And we pray that you would bear that you would bear witness to the truth of its reality, that you would display the good news in such a way that we would be helped today, that we would receive peace and encouragement and joy and life and help, and forgiveness, and hope, and where we are weak, Lord, that the strength of the gospel would rest on us, and that the power of Christ would be magnified, and the name of Jesus would be glorified, and we thank you for this time, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us, help us to honor you, help us to live for you, and help us, Lord, to glory in this greatest of all news. For in you we have hope. In you there's plentiful redemption. And so we pray that as we sit before you today and listen to your word, that we would receive help. Help from on high. In Jesus' name, amen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event of all history. Nobody has ever defeated death throughout all history in his own power and in his own strength. Mohammed is dead. Mahatma Gandhi is dead. Buddha is dead. All of the founders of world religions are dead, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is like nobody else. Jesus went into death itself and swallowed it up in victory rising three days later out of the grave. And you have to step into this world of the first century church that just watched their Messiah crucified on a cross like a criminal. They had been following him for three years thinking he's going to be the one to save us. He's the king. He's the Messiah who can heal lepers, who can give sight to the blind, who can be raising the dead like he did with Lazarus as like a little preview of what was to come. Who can do these things? And he's cut down on a Roman cross, crucified. And the inscription over his cross said, King of the Jews. And no Jew would have thought that their Messiah would be hanging on the tree. Because the law said that cursed is anyone who's hanged upon a tree. But Jesus was doing something there on the cross. He was hanging on a tree to bear a curse. Because our world has been cursed by sin. 
Ever since the Garden of Eden, sin has destroyed our world. It has broken our world. The reason that we all face death, one out of one people will die. The reason we have pandemics, the reason we have diseases, the reason we have violence in our streets, the reason we have political unrest, the reason people are driving cars crashing into the capital area, causing that kind of havoc, is because sin has broken our world. There would be no addicts if sin was not in our world. There would be no suffering if sin was not in our world. And deep down, we all know that our own hearts are broken. That we have been alienated from a life of God. And that we fear death. And the Bible says that everyone will die as a penalty for their sins. Every one of us will taste death and be separated from God without hope judged for all eternity because of our sin. And if that was the end of the story, there would be no good news. If Jesus didn't go to a cross to pay the penalty for your sins, if you will believe, for your brokenness, for the stuff that came out the other night in that argument with your husband or your wife, for the stuff that came out at the workplace where you're button heads with your boss. For what you've been doing when you thought no one was looking in your internet searches. Jesus died to pay for real sins. For the sins of all who will put their trust in him. And there's no hope in this room if Jesus didn't die, but there's surely no hope if he didn't rise from the tomb three days later. Because what happened there on the, the, the resurrection Sunday, what happened when Jesus rose up out of the grave was he was vindicated by God. God said, yes, I accept this sacrifice. I accept your substitutionary sacrifice in the place of sinners. I receive it. And Jesus paid it in full on the cross. And when he rose out of the grave, it was as if God the Father was saying, I receive this work. This is my beloved son. And I've raised him up from the dead. And Jesus said he was the good shepherd. And he lays down his life for his sheep. And he takes it up again. He said, no one could take my life. He didn't go to a cross like, oh, bummer. I'm, I'm, I'm on the cross. I can't do anything about it. They were mocking him saying, come down from the cross. And he said, and he stayed there. He could have saved himself, but he hung on the cross so that he could save you and I, if we will believe. He was the king who had authority to deliver himself from the cross, but he stayed upon it because he is the king of all creation. And he is the one who can provide you hope. And when he came out of the tomb, he changed everything. And he can change you. 
If you are here today and you have not tasted the sweetness of resurrection hope, if you have not experienced forgiveness, if you have not tasted the good news that Jesus raised up out of the grave to give life to where we need it most. And deep down we know something's not quite right. And when Jesus rose up out of the grave, he began a movement that flipped the world upside down. And we're going to read about it in John chapter 20. John chapter 20 tells us the story of the disciples when they are crushed because they lost all hope. This Messiah doesn't look like he's who they thought they were or that he's who they thought he was. This Messiah's dead. He's buried. Guarded by soldiers. All the disciples scattered and they're quaking in fear, hiding, thinking it's over. We had a good run for three years. There was some awesome things. Surely he was a prophet, but I don't know anymore. And so we're going to look at this passage and we're going to sense the words of Jesus just written over this passage large where he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This message changed my life because I was like Paul. I was an enemy of Christianity. I hated Christians. I thought Christians were either dumb or ugly or both. And I thought to myself, I, who would believe that somebody raised up out of the grave and it wouldn't be until later that I realized that one of the most profound facts of history is that the spread of the early church took over the whole empire of Rome eventually and converted Rome to Christianity, which was a polytheistic pagan empire. And it was a couple of Jewish disciples who were floundering because their Messiah is dead. And what explains their transformation from feeble, scared, afraid disciples to bold witnesses of the resurrection if there isn't an empty tomb. Without the empty tomb, there is no Christianity. But because he's alive, because he raised up out of the grave, he actually changed history. And we set our calendar by it. And everybody knows that something profound happened. There's no other explanation. The empty tomb was the sign that something new and glorious was afoot. So John chapter 20 goes like this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon, Peter, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. 
So think about what's happening. Mary Magdalene, who was one of the disciples, or she was converted by Jesus. She was a prostitute. She encounters Jesus, gets saved, and begins to follow him. And now she's going to the temple or to the tomb to pay respects with some other women. And she gets there and she sees the tombs empty. And the first instinct she doesn't have, or she doesn't say, he's risen. She's like, somebody stole the body. Somebody's desecrated the tomb of my Lord. And she's distressed. So she goes and tells the disciples. And maybe that's the way you're coming in today. You're, you're, you're like, I don't know about this. I mean, dying and rising Messiah. Come on, this isn't for me. But something profound was happening. Something glorious, something great, something that changes the world, something that changes our lives. And she's about to realize it. But the other disciples, they just hear the bodies missing. And so look, verse three. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going to the tomb or toward the tomb. And both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in he saw the linen cloth lying there but he didn't go in so you got to imagine they're like it's like a race you know they're trying to see who gets there first and of course the disciple um, the other disciple whom Jesus loved it says this is the apostle John he outruns Peter and gets to the tomb first and he sees that in the tomb there's just linens laying there so the first indicator that something different is happening is if you're going to steal the body, why is it unwrapped and the bandages are there? You wouldn't bother with that. So the idea that the, the disciples, you know, uh, the body was stolen was not valid. They were looking at this and they were like, where is he? There's clothes there, but nothing else. If you remember when Lazarus is raised from the dead, what happens? He's been in a tomb for four days, he's stinking, the Bible says, and smelling because he's decomposing. And Jesus comes and Mary and Martha are just a mess. And he's like, I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know you'll raise him from the dead uh, on the last day because that's what Jews believe. He's like, no, I'm going to do something right now. And so he goes to the tomb and he has them roll away the stone. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And what happens? Lazarus comes forth, but he's totally full of bandages and burial cloths. About 75 pounds probably of burial cloth with spices and things to preserve the body. And it was kind of like a mummy walking out of the tomb. That's what would have happened if somebody stole the body. The, the bandages would have went with him, but you got bandages in the tomb. So the disciples are looking in, and this is awesome. Think about this. Then Simon, Peter, came following him and went in the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, folded up by itself in its place. And then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. So John goes in, sees the tomb, sees the burial cloths, sees this face cloth that would have probably held his jaw together and clamped it shut, 
folded neatly, organized. Like Jesus rose up in power and was like, okay, I'm going to have to take this stuff off and I'll leave, I'll leave it and fold it nicely. Took his time because he's king. He's Lord. When he rises up out of the grave, he's not in a rush because he's got good work that's going to be going on and he's going to be teaching his disciples and teaching us that something powerful is going to happen with his people. This hope is going to pierce their hearts and change them from being scared and afraid to being totally renewed. And John just needs to look in the tomb and say, nope, Jesus, burial cloths, he's risen. He's risen indeed. And he goes out of there because they didn't realize that the whole Old Testament was pointing to Jesus' resurrection. Even though Jesus had said over and over again, I'm going to die and three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. Again and again he told them and they didn't understand it because they couldn't conceive of a Messiah that would die. But he had to die to pay for our sins. He had to die. If you're to be forgiven, Jesus had to die. But if you're to be forgiven, he also had to rise. The Apostle Paul said, if Jesus is not raised, we are still in our sins. And Christianity is not true. But he is raised. The tomb was empty and Christ did raise. And his disciples saw and they go away. And then we come back and we see Mary in our next section of text. And she's grieving. She's got blinded grief because her Savior is dead and she doesn't yet think that He's risen. So look at verse 11 with me. Blinding grief. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood to look into the tomb and she saw the two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and another at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. She's so broken at the loss of Jesus. She's so crushed at his death and that she's without him. She's experiencing grief. She's experiencing utter, paralyzing, depressing, debilitating grief. And perhaps you're in here today and you've got some of that grief in your heart. You've lost a loved one. Maybe this past year you've lost somebody that's very dear to you. And you don't have hope. You've lost all hope. You feel like what can be done? That's what Mary's feeling. Please note, that's what Mary's feeling right now. And Jesus is about to change it all. Jesus is about to reveal himself to her. She's blinded by grief, but she's going to end up seeing. And the grief is going to be taken away. And joy is going to well up. Perhaps you need that today. You need the joy of the gospel coming into your heart. The good news that Jesus can heal your brokenness. Jesus can heal your grief. 
Jesus is the only one who dealt with death and dealt it a death blow. The death of death happened in the death of Christ, but he rose from the grave so that you would know that there is life in him. And though you die, if you believe, you shall yet live again. That's what that song's about. My Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. And because I know, there's a peace that comes in. Look at verse 14 with me. Having turned, or having said this, she doesn't even know there's angels there, number one, so freak out about that. She doesn't realize there's angels. That's how blinding her grief is. And then she says, uh, having said this, she turned around, saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's asking that same question, or he's asking that same question to her. She's there seeking Jesus. And Jesus is saying, whom are you seeking? And she can't see him. Maybe you're here today and you just can't see the reality that Jesus is, is, is alive, that he's true, that he's the savior, that he can save you. And you need a word to open your eyes so that you might see, so that you might hear and believe and actually know that God can actually forgive your sins. He can touch your life. He can come in and make you new. But you need to hear a word. And she needed to hear a word. And Jesus said to her, whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. He knows her name. Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus revealed himself by just saying her name. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know me and they hear my voice and they follow. Jesus spoke a word to Mary and instantly she could see what was veiled, what was blinded by grief. Now she sees and notice what he says to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus said, my work is done. I've paid it in full. I've triumphed over the grave. I'm going to the Father because now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you are going to be the one sent out. You go tell my brothers. You go tell my disciples. You go tell those who are cowering in fear, afraid for their lives, that you have seen the Lord. And I'm sending you, Mary. And it's so interesting that Mary, in the first century, would have had no credibility whatsoever as a witness to the resurrection. But John highlights it as if to say... <laughs> Mary, you've got value and I care about you. I care about you and I'm sending you to be the first one to tell the disciples I'm the first one that appears to you because I've got a message for you to take to the men and I want them to believe on the word of your testimony. 
And of course, Jesus will appear to them as well. But Jesus singles her out for this mission to take the news. So if you're here today, please know if you feel like I'm marginalized, I'm not being used, God will use you. You turn your life over to him and God will use you in profound ways. He took Mary and he said, look, look at me. I'm going, but I'm going to send the spirit and I'm going to send you to share my message to the disciples. And it was like life began to radiate in her. Joy began to come. Her grief was swallowed up in the joy of resurrection. And that can happen for you. That can happen in your life if you will turn your life over to Jesus and go all in. It's that phrase of, you know, Texas Hold'em. Where you see the guy and he's playing and he goes all in. He puts all his chips in and says, I'm going all in. That the cards I have are going to be the cards that are going to be the, the, the seal to the deal. And he puts all his faith in this one thing. And Jesus wants you to go all in with him. He wants you to believe that he died on a cross and rose from the dead and he can change you. And he will change you. That's a promise. That's what Jesus said. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's his promise. And he'll never go back on it. And so Mary, in verse 18, she went and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Now, I wasn't a Christian my whole life. I was a rebel. I hated Christianity. I did not like the gospel. I didn't like Christians telling me I'm a sinner. I didn't like Christians saying Jesus is Lord and I've got to submit my life to him and believe the gospel. I hated that. And I avoided that. Anytime a Christian came out, I was like, get out of my face. But you know what? In the lowest moment of my life, where I was turning to alcohol, I was turning to drugs, I was turning to all the party life to try to somehow feel like I'm alive, but something was wrong, it was missing, and nothing was satisfying, and God sent a Christian to share this message, that Jesus died for your sins, you're a sinner, you've been cut off from God, you're a rebel, Peter. And you've been running from him. And deep down, your soul is longing for redemption. Will you believe that he died on a cross? Will you believe that he rose from the dead? Will you believe that he can save you? That he's an ever-present help in a time of need and you're low, but he can help you. And I remember it was like this, this girl was telling me something that was so profoundly true that I thought it was so ridiculous before. And then God began to speak and grip my heart. And she just said, listen, I've tasted this. I've seen it. Jesus is true. The gospel's real. And you have to put your trust in him. You have to go all in and turn away from sin and put your trust in him for your life. And I remember doing that. And it was like a hundred gallons of liquid love poured over my head. 
I called out to him that night and I said, Lord, please forgive me. I know this is real. I know you're king. I know you're Lord. I know you're God. And I know you've been speaking to me through this gospel message. Please forgive me. And God just wiped it all away. I was so guilty. I was so discouraged. And it was like joy welling up in my soul. And I was so excited. And I was so fired up that I just, the next day I was like, I got to tell everybody. And people knew me as the party guy. You know, they're hearing, you know, hearing from me about my ventures on the weekend. And all of a sudden I'm telling them about Jesus. And they're like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? You're like a holy roller now? And I said, Jesus is real. This is really real. The gospel's real. It's changed me. And so they kind of watched me. And they're like, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe this is for a girl or something. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's got some ulterior motives. So they watched me for a few months. And then they began to start seeing changes in my life. I stopped cursing. I used to curse every other word. I stopped smoking. I stopped doing drugs. I stopped alcohol. I stopped party life. And it wasn't like God was like pulling my arm to do this. It was like, I don't even desire these things anymore because Jesus changed me. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you're here today and you just don't have hope and you just feel lost and you just feel without Christ and you just feel like I need the love of God to rescue me from this. Will you call out to him? Will you believe on him? Will you trust this message that God so loved you that he gave his son to a cross to die for your sins? And if you believe and you turn away from that life that's brought you nothing but mis misery and you trust in Christ, he will save you. He'll save you. He'll save you in your seat today. He'll save you in the overflow room. He'll save you online if you're watching. Jesus is alive and he's saving people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's saving people in Smithfield. That's why we had a baptism last week. Because God is saving people. And he can save you. Will you believe? Will you put your trust in him? Will you awaken to your need before a holy God? And if you're a Christian, oh, glory in this good news. Rejoice that He is risen. He is risen indeed. And He flipped the world on its ear. And there's churches all across the world that have no right of being there because no disciples would ever have went to the grave preaching this Gospel if the tomb was not empty. But they're there. He's alive. Christianity is real. I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun. And that I see it. And I also see everything else by its truths. Because God has transformed my whole life. I was in darkness. And now, in the light, God can do that for you. And He will. If you will trust Him. Last part of the passage. Verse 19. Jesus appears to his disciples and they're afraid. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, 
the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were paralyzed in fear. And Jesus speaks a word of peace to them. Perhaps you've been afraid this past year. Perhaps you've been fearing all sorts of things. From pandemic to little, you know, um, particles flying through the air. Every time somebody coughs, you're a little, I don't know, you got a little corona going on. But God wants to speak a word of peace that's built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He comes into this room where the disciples are, where the disciples are scared, and he walks right through the wall. Because he's got a new body. And this new glorified body that Jesus has is a body that doesn't wear out. It's not like you're in my body that gets hurt and gets sick and will one day die. No, this is a resurrected body. This is new life. This is transformed physicality. This is something new. And he walks through the walls and he says, peace be with you. And he's speaking that gospel peace into their hearts in the most terrifying moment of fear. And you need that. You need the peace of God in the midst of a pandemic. You need the peace of God in the midst of political unrest. You need the peace of God in the midst of mass shootings. You need the peace of God when a world is so flipped upside down that people are committing suicide at record numbers. I just read an article the other day about the owner of Texas Roadhouse took his own life. Why? He had no peace. He did not have the peace of God, the peace of Christ. And beloved, listen, Smithfield, please know that the peace of Jesus Christ can reign in your hearts if you will see Jesus for who he really is. If your eyes will be open to the majestic holiness of Jesus, the Lord of all the earth, who died on a cross and rose out of the grave to give you peace. Peace with God and peace in your soul. Do you need that peace? Have you been contemplating ending it all? Jesus can rescue you from that. Please know that. He can rescue you. Don't go that way. Know that Jesus can touch you in your heart and make you new. Verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw him. The gladness of God came on them. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And he breathed, or he said this to them, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Two things quickly in closing. Jesus said, the Father sent me into the world to be the Savior. And now I'm sending you disciples, emboldened, not afraid, willing to die for this message. And it would come to that for 11 of the 12 disciples. Peter would be crucified upside down. The Apostle Paul would be beheaded. James would be thrown off the pinnacle of the temple. Stephen would be stoned. There's just so many realities of the early Christians lived in a fearlessness. During the plagues in the first couple centuries, it was the Christians 
that would go out and visit the sick. Nobody else would. You know why? Because they just let them die. They didn't want to die. And the Christians went in there because they believed the Gospel. They believed death's not the end. They believed the peace of Jesus. And they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus blew on the disciples and said, peace be with you. And they were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God coming into their life, making them new. So if you sit here today and you have not trusted Jesus, if you don't have the peace of God, if you're grieving and you don't have the comfort of God, if you know you're caught in a sin, maybe you don't want to tell your wife, you don't want to tell your parents, you don't want to tell your husband, but you're busted. You know God knows. You know you're wrong in the sight of God and you need the rescue of Christ. He can forgive you of your sins. He can make you a new man, a new woman, a new daughter, a new son, a new person. The book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how much of a difference the resurrection makes it changes everything. Will you put your trust in Jesus? If you're a Christian, will you continue to trust Jesus and boldly go out as disciples? Go where people won't go. Because you believe death is not the end for you. Jesus is victorious over the grave. I believe that my Redeemer lives. And though my flesh perish, I shall be made new. Many of you struggle with dis de dehabilitating diseases that are not going away, that may be terminal. Maybe you got a diagnosis this week. There's going to be a day coming, and Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits that reminds us that one day Jesus is going to make all things new for all who believe. He'll give you a new body, He'll give you a new creation. All things will be made new. Everything that we know is wrong with the world will be made new. And Jesus offers the hope of your life becoming new. If you're a believer, long for that day. If you're struggling with paralyzing health issues, Jesus is alive. He's the first fruits. He's the inbreaking of God's salvation. His power to undo the curse. His triumph over even... The things like disease and plagues. That's why Jesus could heal lepers. That's why he could speak to fevers and they would leave people. That's why he could walk on water. That's why he could have power over the demonic realm. And even the demons were terrified of him because he's the Lord of all creation. And he can save you if you will believe. Have you settled your heart to put your trust in Jesus? Have you made a decision to follow Christ? Perhaps today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't go somewhere else and, and say, you know, I'll try it one day. I've got to get my fill. I've got to have my oats. Or sow my oats. I think that's how it goes. But listen, you don't know. Maybe the Lord is opening your heart today to receive Him. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you today. And today you've had truths just lodging in your heart and you're like i gotta i gotta put my trust in christ today so we're gonna pray 
And if you're a believer, be praying. May God work in your heart if you don't know Jesus. If you're here today and you need to trust Christ. I want you to pray during this time and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Ask God to save you. Confess that you believe Jesus is Lord, that he died on a cross and rose from the grave and ask him to forgive you. And I promise you, he will break into your life and make you totally new. Let's pray. Father, I pray that those who are experiencing the spirit of God speaking to their hearts right now, they've not settled it with Jesus. They've they've been avoiding it. Maybe they know known it was true. Maybe they've known the gospel was true, but they've never acted on it. They've never went all in. They've never put their trust in Christ. And they realize they're broken in sin. Maybe sin has brought them to the point of depression and discouragement. Maybe the pandemic has. But they recognize today that they need Christ. They recognize that you've been speaking to them through this message. You've been speaking right to their hearts, right where they're at, right where they're struggling. And I pray that they would cry out in their hearts and say, Dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that Christ died on the cross and he rose out of the grave three days later. Would you save me from my sins? Would you send your spirit into my life like you did the disciples? Would you make me new? Would you save me and help me to turn from my sins right now? And trust Christ alone. Not my works. Not my track record. And not even my heart. But may I trust Christ. His work. His sinless life. Would you rescue me, Lord? And for those of us that are here and they are believers. And they're discouraged. May this resurrection word stir in their souls. May they be helped. May they be granted hope. May they be granted peace. May they be granted joy. And may they be bold witnesses sent out bearing witness to these realities. And may you do this work in our hearts. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.